Listen to me, you stupid mortal. You're gonna need three or four guys with you. You grab the tapes, get out of there. Yes, 50 bucks a tape. They hold a special power. Hey everybody, happy Cinco de Mayo. This is Case. This is Carrie. And we are Dying for Midnight, and this is episode 13, or what we like to call Turn Down Any Tape Heist Offer. You have tuned in to our episode where we're going to talk about a really mean-spirited, nasty found I, footage. I forgot how mean-spirited this this film was, truly. Um none other than VHS and just the first VHS because next year, Carrie, I think we're going to cover at least one other VHS and have like a found footage month. Probably. No, we're going to, <laughs> that's happening. She's, she's doesn't enjoy found footage as much as I do. And I probably don't enjoy found footage as somebody maybe younger than me. I don't know. It's so popular. It's been around forever, much longer than we realize. Yes. Um, we are going to start right out. By the way, Creature is up to something sinister. Um, something about tapes or something. I don't know. But um, Carrie, you know, there's a lot of directors. There's a lot of writers. Yeah. There's a lot of people involved. And so we thought... Uh, how are we going to talk about a movie with like five segments and a wraparound? And um, we'll try to do this lean and mean uh, because we left a lot of time for horror, etc. this week where not only do we have the Midnight Traveler, but he joined us for an entire segment of horror, etc. like for a good hour. Yes. And um, so if you stick with us and uh, after our comfy movie review, we're going to be talking to Jake, learning about some of his... Uh, horror movie favorites talk a little bit about our joint love our triangle of love for joe bob uh and uh carrie what are we up to this coming weekend we are actually going to see joe bob at his house and just have drinks with him in his own personal <laughs> abode no 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 no, no. We're, we're we're gonna be driving to the colonial uh yeah the the old colonial theater in phoenixville pennsylvania where they shot the uh, original Blob with uh, Steve McQueen. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know who Steve McQueen's son is in 80s pop movie culture history? It's Dutch from Karate Kid. The one that does the whole head cracking, neck cracking thing whenever he's getting ready. The really super ultra bleach blonde haired member of Cobra Kai. Yeah. The super, I mean, they're all super aggressive. Well, anyways. Um Let's dive right in to talk about VHS, okay? We're going to start, Carrie, with this very creative poster, which is basically just tapes, VHS tapes arranged. It's arranged very, very literal. Skull-like. Yeah. Um, 
pretty simple. It's a very actually. simple poster. Uh, it's kind of like, almost looks like the skull emoji. But uh, the tagline is, this collection is killer. Let's talk about VHS tape collections, Gary. Um, and we'll we'll add uh, some thoughts about socials on Insta and Twitter later. But uh, we are uh, members of the Patreon um, Lost Drive-In. And uh, it was funny, we're talking about VHS this week because, um, you know, Darcy's in charge of that and the male girl. Yeah. And she had brought up a particular movie, uh, two particular movies, one being Alien 3, but the first being Barbarella. And that is the very first VHS tape you and I ever watched together yep. in college circa 2003, basically, somewhere around there. Yeah, I I had introduced you to that movie. You'd never heard of it. I still can't wrap my head around that one. I can't sit here and say that I love it. I've not watched it since. I've only watched it that one time. I could see why you liked it. It is definitely like got the 70s cheese and the sex and the sleaze going on. I mean, it's basically space sex (laughs) is what that whole movie is. Didn't we do a double feature of that in Logan's Run? Yes, we did. And that's actually a really good double feature I'd like to revisit. I can't believe you remember that. Um what is that, Michael York? Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it's also the wonderful, we almost called August this year our Jenny Auger month because of how much we loved her in uh, An American Werewolf in London. But uh, we, we decided there was too many other things outside of Jenny Auger we wanted to talk about <laughs> for four weeks straight. <laughs> but you, dro- you, you dropped the Logan's Run, so I had to bring up Jenny Auger. VHS, okay. Um, I can see the dog is deciding to misbehave again. She didn't care whatsoever whenever we were sitting here prepping the episode guide. I even gave her a treat. As soon as we start talking, um, she decides to be a little tension hoe again. Normally she lays down. Um, Carrie, we've got a lot of ground to cover and we want to keep it lean and mean, uh, or we're going to try. Let's get started. We've got multiple directors. We've got Adam Wingard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tape 56. That's the wraparound story. David Bruckner. I was surprised to hear that name. Amateur Night. T. West. Second Honeymoon. Uh, Glenn McQuaid, who I actually don't recall this gentleman. Uh, Tuesday the 17th. Joe Swanberg. The sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. And of course, our dudes who are super, super popular now. Radio Silence. Yep. Because of their scream work. Uh, did... The ten thirty one ninety eight. That was that was a very good, yeah. Good one. Note that Simon Barrett also worked on the tape fifty six wraparound. Um, looks like they kind of crisscrossed here a little bit with each other's work. Um, we had written by the um, previously mentioned directors as well. I want to know, Carrie, before we dive in to VHS, that. Um, there was a very certain way that they approached making VHS. And I wanted to note how these filmmakers came together. <clears throat> There's an interview a um, long time ago. Uh, the producer, Brad Miska, um, in an article, excuse me, in an interview with IndieWire, he revealed how they came to develop VHS, how they came to choose these different filmmakers. Um, he noted that this Brad Miska that he wanted to go with people who he had a relationship with via bloody disgusting, 
which you and I check that out probably at least on a weekly to bi-weekly yeah. basis along with Fangoria and whatnot. Um, I really want, whenever I was younger, I had a Fangoria subscription, but it didn't last long. Um, I'd like to do that again. I, I, there's something about having the, the tangible magazine yeah. in hand. I, I Online print is good and everything like that, but you know me. You can go back and order reissues of older ones like i'm talking 1981 issues wow. from like halloween 2 friday the 13th 2 america werewolf in london 1981 is the best year in horror ever even though we weren't born yet it still feels like that year has a collection of movies that are in like a yearly rotation for us yeah like a year and a half before yes please don't start doing that <laughs> Once she starts drinking the whiskey, she gets better at math. Mm-hmm. We're back. We're back to drinking Oogadol and not a spill to be had yet. Um, hey. Hey's for horses. I just noticed. You poured yourself more. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I don't think that. I don't think that's possible. You're the one with glasses. Look, it's the same amount. See, after I take a few more sips, it's the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm catching on. So, um, it's interesting. They said that once they got all these directors together, it wasn't, once the thing was, um, greenlit, um, they let the filmmakers basically go off and do their own thing. Um, and then they just kind of went back and started filling in the different holes, um, figuring out what they could do to amp up the wraparound, each of the stories, um, and so the film was being completed as they went along. There was no kind of like, okay, let's all sit in on this together and figure out all these stories together. Yeah. They went off and did sec- their separate, you know, the two actors in second honeymoon, they sent them off with a camera. T West gave them a camera as if they were actually, actually filming, filming on their honeymoon, yeah. the second honeymoon segment. Um, let's talk about some of the cast and crew, Carrie. Um, and I, I actually forgot that, um, radio silence was involved. I laughed when I saw the 10 98 segment and I saw them dressed up. It made sense. It was hilarious. I'm like, wow, this is really, um, timely that we're watching this segment. Uh, especially I know scream six just came out for streaming On this Paramount, past week. Yeah. yeah. We watched that. What was it? Night Train to Terror, the segment where how they created the that actual was a really cool subway like, car document. I, I actually thought that like that because I know they filmed in Montreal. I thought that they used the Montreal subway station. And look, I've been to Montreal. Does Montreal have a subway station? If you were paying attention, they do not have a subway. Okay. Well, there you go. They convinced me that they actually filmed in a subway and they did not. Um Tape 56, there is a lot to get through in terms of actors. Um, There is, this movie opens up and I want to punch the daylights out of these criminals. I actually want to take a baseball bat and hit them. (laughs) If they were going for, will you tell the dog to lay down, please? This is really getting out of hand here. You're interrupting, pumpkin. Pumpkin. Go lay down. Go lay down. Um, So it wasn't bad enough that we had Adam Wingard 
who also directs in VHS too. Um, like right away with all their winter hats and beanie caps and them hiding a camera while they're having sex with their girlfriend unspeknown to her. And like the worst part of that whole thing was them stalking the couple in the parking garage and assaulting her to lift up her shirt, forcing her to lift up her shirt. Yeah. The, the I got super, I got super uncomfortable, upset watching the beginning of this wraparound. The amount of, you can tell Assault. torture that she's going through. Yeah. Um, not to be dismissive of the random woman that they assault, but we've got a lot to cover. So, um, the other thing is too, what that does. And I wanted to note this. She's really getting in on her crotch area. There. <laughs> this is really this dog. I'm telling you increasingly. So lay down, damn it. See, we should have like took, took and we should have taken her for a long walk. What? this does is this creates a situation where when these guys take the job to break into the old man's house and get the tape, I am fully ready, including Gary, the mustache dude who clearly has done a lot of this sort of thing. And these other guys are kind of amateurs. I'm ready for them to die horribly because they don't deserve to live after everything they've done to people. Um, <laughs> and to know that they make it sound like they've done this a lot. Yeah. We've got Calvin Reader as Gary. He's the mustachioed ringleader. Lane Hughes is Zach. Can Tucker oddly as rocks. Adam Wingar is Brad. Frank Stack is the old creepy dude who supposedly died in the chair. Okay. And then we've got the poor women in this. Sarah Byrne, Melissa Boatwright. Simon Barrett is one of the thugs. Andrew uh, draws Palermo as the fifth thug. For tape 56. Okay, now amateur night. And and we'll get into these each a little bit later. We've got Hannah Fearman as Lily. Interesting name mm -hmm. for Lily. Lilith, maybe? Um, Mike Donlin as Shane. Joe Sykes as Patrick. Drew Sawyer as Clint. Jasper Lewis as Lisa. And these dudes are only slightly less um, rapey. <laughs> Second honeymoon. Joe Swanberg as Sam, Sophia Tacall as Stephanie, Caitlin Sheila as Girl, Tuesday the 17th, Norma Canones as Wendy, Drew Moreland as Joey Brenner, Janine Yoder as Samantha, Jason Yakin as Spider, Bruce Burke as The Glitch, The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger, Helen Rogers as Emily, Daniel Kaufman as James, we've got all these kids, Liz Harvey as the new girl at the end. Corey Fitzpatrick as the girl alien. Isa Hillman as the boy alien. Talia Hillman as the little girl alien. That's interesting. They got siblings for that. Yeah. 103198. Chad Viella. Villella as Chad. Matt um, Bentinelli Open. Radio Silence, dude. Tyler, is it Gillett or Gillett? Gillett as Tyler. Paul Natanek as Paul. Nicole Erb is the girl. John Walcott as the cult leader. Eric Curtis is the roommate. <laughs> Who is the only one that survives. <clears throat> yeah. Diving into the wraparound story. Carrie, tape 56 with these sons of bitches, these thugs. Uh, usually we talk about favorite character, favorite non-league character. 
can we even call this favorite? It's like favorite in terms of how stupid and how much they deserve to die. <laughs> um, you know, Who is your favorite character? I, I guess. Um, Zach, the guy, he's just sitting there thinking the dead guy is there, but the guy isn't dead and he's just sitting there watching all these tapes. Yeah. I'm going with Calvin Reader. Gary, again, the mus- the mustached guy who got them the heist gig. He's like the all-in criminal. He's like, you could tell he's the career criminal, the yeah. season criminal. This guy could have been in Death Wish or a William Lustig movie. Definitely a villain for sure. And all the other guys, like, yeah, they're criminals, but they're very much low-key criminal compared to this other guy. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They all deserve jail time, if not death. Um, speaking of death, Carrie and tape 56, the wraparound story, you could, you know, these guys are going into a situation and can we talk about a second about these tapes having a power? Because that's a theme that goes through part two. Yeah. I feel like there's definitely at least one death that occurs from watching these tapes and then somebody else starts watching them is usually how these movies go. And I haven't seen them all. Um, I think I've only seen the first two. See, I thought you watched VHS 99 with me. The husband and wife team that made the hell. Maybe you were kind of watching in the background. Maybe I was watching parts of it. Yeah. Um, the tapes, there's a guy at the beginning of the part two, and I don't want to get into it too much cause we'll have it in season two where he's like, you know, they're coming to investigate those two. What are they? PIs? I think I yeah. can't quite remember. And the guy is talking about the powers of the tape at the beginning of the second one. So they have some sort of, they activate something. It's almost like. It's almost like video drum in a way. Yeah. Um, favorite death and effect, Carrie, with the wraparound tape 56? It's all of them. All of them? I was glad to see all of them get killed. Much deserved. Uh, I just love how Gary's death, um, because he falls down the stairs and the zombie gets him in the end. This movie has a obsession with staircases, Carrie. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay, and if you guys follow us on Insta, we covered this a little bit earlier, uh, today, Wednesday, when we were recording. Um, I'm just going to pull it up, Carrie, because I don't think you and I... <laughs> did I read this to you earlier? I can't remember if I did I or think not. you, yeah. Yeah, so, listen, the wraparound, there's the stairs that stun and lead to death, amateur night. Stairs that lead to compound fracture of the wrist area. Second honeymoon. Can't recall, but pretty sure no stairs, although they step down and out in between rocks to a dangerous cliff. Tuesday the 17th, no stairs, but there's a bear trap. Well, there's cocaine bear. The sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. That segment, there's no stairs. Pretty confined. But uh, there's an alien imp- uh, impregnated girl who's laying on the ground, so she kind of fell down. 103198. Our Scream 5 and 6 creators, as costume characters, are invited to an empty house, make their way up the stairs to find a freaky satanic ritual, go back down, and then come back up to rescue the chick, who they probably shouldn't rescue. 
lots of stairs, 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 stairs. And I had even said, instead of calling this turn down any tape I used to offer, the episode name should have been Watch Your Step. <laughs> um, yeah. Carrie, what are you rating the wraparound segment? Uh, a three out of five. Okay. It, it's, you know, it's a solid, um, but it's hard for me to watch given the material, at the, especially in the beginning. It's just, I mean, it definitely does its job in making you not like these characters whatsoever. I love the wraparound. And I'm, I'm saying that in the context of when I first watched this movie. I know that when I watched this movie, what, 10, 11 years ago, I absolutely fell in love with it. I loved that growing up with something like Creep Show or being a little bit older and we saw Trick or Treat. You and I both have always loved the anthology yeah. approach. A yes. lot of people don't like it, but we always have. We always like the multiple it's tales. It's like short stories. Short stories, and you usually have like a thread that ties them all together or a host. Well, I mean, we grew up with like, you know, Are You in Afraid of the Dark kind of stuff, Goosebumps and all that stuff. So our generation grew up with stuff like that. So I think we're used to it, and so that's why we like that kind of stuff. Um, I'm also going to bring it to the context of today. We're almost on our sixth VHS film coming out in this next year, VHS 85. You still need to see 94 and 99. VHS viral, it's not worth it. I don't hate it. It gets a lot of bad. Uh, people don't like it. See, look, the whiskey's already kicking in. Um, I love it. I love the wraparound. It's my favorite to this day out of all of the VHS wraparounds. Um, I'm giving it a four out of five. Okay. So that brings our wraparound score to 3.5 out of five flamethrowers. Carrie, let's talk about the actual first story now, Amateur Night. <laughs> okay. I, I can see by your laugh you're digging this a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you got to be happy about how all the men y- get it. Yes. And the wraparound yes. and Amateur Night. Yeah. Um. <coughs> I love the irony in this story, how it's a reverse. They think that they're ganging up on this woman when in fact she's ripping them to shreds. Do I have to pull out the Neo Montoya meme? Irony, I do not think it means what you think it means. He's staring at me. We've got the Princess Bride poster behind you. And look, he's pointing right at you with his father's sword. I love my father. He was killed by the six-finger man. Um, Wow. So I interrupted you with that thought. (laughs) It's revenge. You should be happy I interrupted you with the Princess Bride moment. (laughs) Very proud of that one. Our dog's name, Pumpkin. That's her first name, but her middle name is Buttercup. Buttercup from the Princess Bride. From the Princess Bride. Boo. Bow down if you want to. Bow down. Um, to the queen of fields. That lady scared the crap out of me as a kid. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. <clears throat> We're talking about amateur night. <laughs> so, Carrie, yes. would you like to talk about the favorite character? Lily. Yeah, she... that's the that's the one. Everybody it... else cripes. Ugh. God, even, even... What did you love about her? Well, first of all, I loved that she 
basically, you know, she ripped off all, well, she ripped off the one guy's dick that was a dick. That motherfucker wouldn't stop laughing. I know. The whole damn episode, I wanted to go through the I screen to, and like, choke him out. Him. Yeah. Like, uh, like the whole time, he would not stop cackling. I had people I knew that laughed at every single thing like that. It was almost like this. And then somebody else would laugh just like them. It was like this infectious thing. They would just feed off of each other. That which annoys me. Um, well, none of these guys can think for themselves. Talk about no. peer pressure to the nth degree. Oh, but yeah. So she. So what is Lily? I, and I'm going to assume I, Hera Fearman's character is a succubus. Yes, that's what I would call. Or she's could be it's not kinda, a vamp- it's, it's not, not a vampire, a vampire. No, i think it's a succubus but i think, it, I think oh it's... you know what it is i know what it is go ahead i was just gonna say it kind of like a succubus i think it's she's actually a hybrid so there's an offshoot movie that uses the same actress there's a spinoff movie guess what the name of the movie is siren siren that she's makes a sense. siren and it makes sense because of her feet with the, the scales and stuff like that. That definitely makes sense. And and what was funny, though, is the wing stuff, though. I know nothing about sirens. I'm going to have to look this up. I don't know. I don't know the, any siren lore. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a special shout out. I mean, Lily's my favorite, too. I'm going to give a special shout out to um, the reoccurring setting again. Okay. The motel stairs. Thank you, motel stairs. For your compound fracture of one creep using glasses to criminally record this loser and his loser friend's illegal actions, including drug use, potential date rape, um, and just generally not cool. Not cool, man. Not cool. And oh, yeah, like illegally recording somebody. um, Without their consent. That's a form of assault. Yeah. Without their (laughs) consent. Yeah. At least, here's the thing. Wait a second. I'm going to turn this table. Wait a minute. It's like the Michael Scott. What is it? The turntables thing he says. <laughs> oh my God. The whiskey's kicking in fast today, folks. The guy who annoyed us, mm-hmm. who got his dick ripped off, yeah, told his friend, friend dude, she's asleep. Sleep. Stop. Why are you mimicking what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> Drink up, baby. <laughs> I didn't eat much. Neither did I. Let's just go with it. He actually, even though he deserved to get his schlong ripped off, he told them, like, no, that's not cool. The girl's asleep. Okay, so at least he has that going for him before he dies. So he has a boundary of a girl passes out. Oh, that, that makes that's it better. That's his red line. That's his... Yes, as it should be. They, there's a lot of red lines that should have stopped before that. Um, it, the the number one red line, it started off with the red line, was the glasses. Yes. Uh, and that guy even said, I'm not doing this. And then like, they all peer pressured. Like a little, you know what? Bitch. You already mentioned your favorite death and effect <laughs> yes, was, I did. was Mr. Laffy McDick Rippy. <laughs> yes. When she ripped off his dick, it was very satisfying. Yeah. I'm going to do what you did with the last segment. I'm going to say bonus. Every single one of these obnoxious creeps is my favorite death. Especially the guy with the glasses. Except for he doesn't, you don't know that he dies. No, 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 no. She flies off with him. She flies off with him. You don't know. I think she, she, I think like a, like a mantis, she breeds with him and then she rips his freaking head off. That's what I think happens to him. I was just going to say, she's definitely going to use him for some kind of breeding. For sure. Good grief. 
And the fact that she still says, I like you. I like you and your limp. <laughs> your limpness. <laughs> <laughs> He's the nicest one of those guys, supposedly. Yeah, but you know what? She starts having, she starts mm-hmm. doing it with this friend, though, in the bed. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know about the siren. She's not very consistent. <laughs> um, Carrie, what's your rating for Amateur Night? Uh, a three out of five flamethrowers. It, it's just the entire message about filming without consent. That's a big issue for me. It's just not cool. Yeah, I mean, to me, three out of five flamethrowers. And I'm giving it the three instead of a two because they all get their comeuppance. Yeah. The alpha male was rapey and the beta who laughed too fucking much. They got his dick thankfully ripped off was disposed of as they should be. And I think we can safely assume that she took him away to her nest or her house. We need to watch that siren spinoff at some point. Don't it's not high on my list. Sirens but... usually associated with the sea. Look, didn't she have webbed feet? Yeah. So there you go. Not unless the web feet makes her more like be able to, to maybe push cave air somewhere to where like, there's a cave. I don't know. I don't know. I, I we need to dive into the lore of sirens. So yeah, we've got three out of five flamethrowers for amateur night. Not bad. Not bad at all. Entertaining because they they get it. Um, Carrie, let's yeah. move on to second honeymoon directed by T West. Who's your favorite character here? It's actually Sam. Because the Yeah, because you feel bad for him. I mean, he does get this paranoia after he knows his money missing. I don't think he deserves it. What does he say? It. Like, did you take $90 or whatever $100. it was? $100. $100. Did you take He's $100? He's like, it wouldn't be the first time you treated Dude, yourself. did you see how whenever they were at the gas pump, she was eyeing up his money at that gas uh-huh. pump. She's like... Oh, look at this. Look how much money he's able to put in this truck all the time. Like, here's night he filled it up. It was like 90 bucks. Um, yeah, she was definitely, I've got a lot of thoughts about this one. Well, and the fact that he said it wouldn't be the first time you treated yourself. <coughs> so. So she's taken money before or her lover has, t- has been following them for a while taking money. Yeah. God, that is creepy. It is creepy. So Sophia Tikal, our main woman with two relationships shall i say dual 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 dueling relationships well sam lost out in this duel (laughs) he was always gonna lose unfortunately sinister this movie is so mean it is so mean the people there are some fodder in here that do not deserve it and sam is one of them i mean so let me say something we keep this is a reoccurring theme with dfn i was gonna say very subtle performance by Sophia to call with her eyes again. Um, the lesbian lover killer. Okay. Is my favorite character. And the other one, her partner, Caitlin Scheel, who is also a character with Larry Fezzedin in the start of your next carry. That's right. Honorable mention to an inanimate character, the cowboy for fortune. Fortune teller. Are you okay over there? I'll be fine when I get more whiskey in me. Um, uh, what is it? Old Pappy, uh, which is a huge reference to Big, and they mention Big in it, which yeah. I love. Um, that card that she reads is quite the foreboding. Forbo- forbo- See my speech. And as a reminder 
to watch the wife's face anytime this character talks into the camera. I recommend watching this all the ways through and then watching it again for Sophia's character, the wife. Watch her performance. She doesn't even want him touching her. She doesn't want him touching her. Every time he says something, she does. She reacts then, but then she looks into the camera like, I'm talking to you. Like, I want this done. I want out of this. Let's do this. Like, he wants to have some sexy time with her. And she's looking at him saying that, turn off the camera and looking back at the thing, like saying, see, like, I don't really want to do this. Um, yeah. Anyways, favorite death and effects. It's Sam's death. I mean, it's very sad. You know, in his sleep, his wife's lover really messily slits his throat. (laughs) I mean, you can tell. Wait a second. Wait a second. How do you messily slit somebody's throat? You mean they did a sloppy kill? Yeah, real, but it's it's not even sloppy. <laughs> did she did she have spaghetti sauce on her whenever he she slit his throat? Oh, look how messy I am! Hold up a second, I gotta stab this guy. You can tell she used a very dull <laughs> knife, not even a sharp knife, to make him suffer, and the way she cut his throat. Wow, you're adding a lot to that performance there with an, and the meaning with the knife. She wanted wonder to make if you him would suffer. like to I wonder if you would like to make me suffer with a doll knife Carrie feels like you're putting a lot of <gasps> emphasis and backstory and meaning behind this knife you're adding a lot of your own thoughts into this knife look Not- at her She's, you should see the smile <laughs> she has at me right now listen to that chuckle that's the chuckle of evil <laughs> the blackest eyes the devil's eyes are looking at me right now um <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that was a that was a Loomis reference. Um, mm. I mean, you can tell that she wanted his character to suffer because of how... She could have just slit his throat. And she she could have. She just stab, stab, stab. It, I mean, it was like all over the place. Oh, dude, he was choking on his blood and gurgling. And I, what a way to go. Yeah, it was slow. <laughs> After you do a biological attack on him with this toothbrush. I know. Not only does she viciously kill him, she makes sure that she does like biological warfare by taking that brush and scraping the inside of the toilet with it. I'm not sure that he deserved it. No. I mean, unless the creators are going to come on, like T's going to come on and say like this guy was like, like a 1950s husband. But even then, he doesn't deserve, no. he doesn't deserve to die. <laughs> Listen, honey, I can't. A long day at work. I can't expect to come home and have the dinner ready waiting for me. Die. <laughs> I mean, he wanted to go to Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you kill Listen, a guy for wanting to go to Vegas? How dare you go? Oh, we want to go to Vegas again. I do too. Yeah, we want to go to Joe. We want to go to Joe. Joe Bob's tambourine. I was going to say Joe Bob's tambourine. <laughs> tambourine get that tambourine joe bob do you need a tambourine player (laughs) or a triangle player i don't know where i'm going with this carry help me out (laughs) cowbell what (laughs) we're making up new words for webster's (laughs) (laughs) i meant to say cowbell what did you say caldwell Cobell instead of cowbell. 
I, I need so, more cowbell. I'm so lost right now. <laughs> you said the triangle, tambourine, listen, more cowbell. Listen, I'm so lost right now. Did you talk about the favorite death and effect for Second Honeymoon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good thing you have drinking sounds into this podcast. So, yeah, there's one death, and it's so brutal and such a trap. Um, it's the only one I can really mention. It's really hard to talk about this one because it really, it really isn't the focus about this segment for me. It's the buildup, the little hints and winks and clues leading up to it. Um, hit the mic. Sorry. That actor that plays the husband, Joe Swanberg. Um, he was in the sacrament. Uh, he was in your next, he's the heart of this whole mumblecore movement. Um, that we talked about in the roost, you know, from the mid two thousands to the mid 2010s with T West. There were all these people that were involved in the first couple of VHS films that were involved in the mumblecore that were, you know, so heavy on, um, you know, the conversation and the, and the slow burn, which we both love. Um, Carrie, what did you rate second honeymoon? This is my favorite. This is my favorite too. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're a little biased because we love T West, I, and that's pretty much I think we what still it comes watched, down to. Yeah, we still haven't watched Pearl. We need to watch no. Pearl. Yeah, um, and, and I Maxine's know Maxine's getting, coming out this it's year. It's getting a huge promotion. Yeah, right now it's all about the bacon, the Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, I I gave this a four and a half out of five. I really enjoyed this segment from start to finish. Um, it was well done, well written, the dialogue. Like you said, the little notes to big, the travel aspect, <laughs> um, you know, traveling outdoors and stuff like that. And all the of... notes to who? To big? Yeah. Hey, big, I wrote a note for you. <laughs> this is back to the sorority days. Hey, big. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. You uh-huh. said notes to big. Um, remember, I was drinking my Colt 45 malt liquor. Hey, big. Uh. <laughs> I would never listen. It's all about. I Billy did D. do Williams. Montezuma though. Ooh, yeah, God. I know. Um, Once. Yeah. What did you rate it? Four and a half. That's my score too. This is. Look, guys, it's T West. <clears throat> we we love T West. Obviously, we've talked about House of the Devil already. We've talked about the Roost already. Um, I'd say somewhere in season two. We're going to get some more T-West in season two. Probably what? The Innkeepers, probably? Probably. I or... think we, I think with T-West, you kind of have to go in order. I think these indie these indie dudes that started off small, it's almost like we, we owe it to them to check out their whole filmography in order. Maybe minus the sacrament. I don't care about revisiting the sacrament. I, I love you, T-West. I love you, but just that not one, that one. No. <clears throat> um, I understand what you were trying to do, but... I think it's great for people that aren't familiar with Jonestown. Um, so anyways, Carrie, Tuesday the 17th. Um, this is actually, Carrie, um, I really just didn't like this one. It, it annoyed the hell out of me. And not. I actually liked a lot of the characters in this one. Mm-hmm. I actually liked this one, but I, I definitely scored a low. So who's so, your favorite? Um, Wendy from, yeah, she faced the glitch before. And okay, so the sorry, so so the girl that this that, is the girl that set everybody up yes. as bait. Okay, yes, um, she faced the glitch the best way she could by it, but she ultimately lost. I mean, the traps that she planned were pretty impressive. 
uh, you know, she was a badass woman. You know, it always gets my vote, even though she lost in the end. But she almost had the glitch. She almost did. Yeah, I'm going to go with Drew Moreland as Joey Brenner. He reminds me of so many of my friends I had in high school. Spider is a guy that reminds me of some of the people I knew in college. It's funny. I actually found the dude more likable than Spider. Like the dude dude of the group. I didn't hate Spider. For some reason, I felt more sympathetic towards the Joey character. He just seemed like a solid dude. Like he wasn't somebody that was trying to like get in the pants of the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I know the blonde hair girl he liked, but he wasn't like, we've seen bigger douches out of Friday the 13th than this guy. He's still pretty I mean, this. Yeah, he'd like to smoke pot. No, okay. that's not why. That's not he wasn't, why. He wasn't that douchey. It, okay. He first started recording and was recording her boobs. That's pretty douchey. You know what? I honestly didn't remember that. Yeah. Okay, so he's got a little doucheness on him. But in a segment that owes its origins to Friday the 13th, we need the douchey dudes. It's just part of the formula. Like, people come to expect dudes that are concerned with perfect nipple placement, like the guy in the 09 Friday the 13th remake. Um, Look, even the blonde biatch was really just a tease flirt. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of like the one out of part two that goes skinny dipping. Yeah. Okay, um, I would have hung out with all of them. I mean, Sans the girl using me as bait, of course. <laughs> she was the coolest one, though. Okay, but why did she need to use them as bait is my biggest she problem She probably with this. didn't like them, and that's why she chose them. All of her friends got killed in the prequel. Her real friends. (laughs) Her real friends got killed in the Friday the 13th opening. Wait a second. Maybe this really is a Friday the 13th movie. No. That's the whiskey talking. It's an O. It's at least an O. Oh, I I know. I'm goofing. Yeah. Um, Carrie, favorite death and effect from Tuesday the 17th? Joey. Because I wanted to see him dead. He was very douchey to me wow my favorite is your least favorite yep okay i dig it we don't actually that doesn't happen very often with us no usually we're like pretty much in agreement you know we're just like oh i just happen to just like this other character because uh, again i have a problem with trying to violate you you personally have a problem violating no i have a problem <laughs> you should <laughs> i have a problem with him trying to violate without you know consent and stuff like that <laughs> Listen, can I violate you, please? <laughs> um, that's a question I ask you quite often. <laughs> and your response is usually, what? Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> Actually, it might be me saying that more than you. <laughs> Lately, yeah. Hey, now. Um, <laughs> listen, this is what happens with the marriage. It's give and take. It's ebb and flow. It's, I didn't sleep well enough. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> I don't feel good. Leave me alone. I feel good. Fuck off. <laughs> um, no, I don't feel like being touched. <laughs> um, can you make me some coffee, please? <laughs> <clears throat> so, Carrie, <laughs> the rating for um, Tuesday the 17th. I, I actually gave this a three out of five. Yeah, it, you actually liked it slightly more than I did. It was overall a very neat concept with the glitch killer. You know what? 
I didn't even talk about my favorite death, actually. We skipped right over that. Oh, yeah. Um, the blonde-haired friend, okay, through the eye. I'm a sucker for eye kills. The whole Fulci thing with eyes, I'm yeah. all about the eyes. Obviously, we talk a lot about eyes on this podcast. The effects were frustrating for me. You speak about the glitch. Yeah. Okay. It felt like they covered up the effects with the glitch. That was the effect. I wanted to see more blood and guts. Okay. Um, Every time the killer is near, the video quality goes bad. And I get that that's a supernatural effect of Mm -hmm. the killer being near. I get it. I just, it kind of agitated me because it covered up a lot of things. I'm like, okay, we grew up with, you know, 99's Blair Witch. We were all about like basically the... Cloverfield was the next big one. Yeah. But at some point, I still, even if it's shaky, I can still see what's going on. The glitch agitated me. I usually don't, I tend to like a lot of things. I really do. And I tend to not like that stuff. But I gave this a two and a half. I just don't like it at all. There's two segments out of this one. We'll talk about the next one I didn't like either. Um, I almost just gave this a one and a half. That's how much I disliked this one. Ooh, see. And the only one, and I only rated it online on Insta, Mardi Gras Massacre got a one for me. Uh, yeah. Because that thing was a slug. You fell asleep. And there was naked women in it and I fell asleep. I know. Well, it was, to be honest, it was the same exact killing every single time. You want to know a movie had lots of naked women that I didn't fall asleep to? The New York Ripper. Holy smokes. The wife. Yowza. Um, yeah. Carrie, favorite character. This is, these are really hard because... Some of these segments are so contained with so few people. You only got one to three choices, yeah. basically. So you're talking about the sick thing that happened to Emily? Yeah, the alien yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, it, it's Emily. Um, she wanted to be brave. However, she put her trust in a person who she really couldn't trust. Um, he just made her feel crazy, even though he knew this entire time what was really happening. And to know that those are basically... Her children, her alien children. So, yeah, I'm actually going to go with the next girlfriend at the end after we're done with Emily. Okay. Are we done with Emily? Do we know? Or is it just he has a multiple? He does say he doesn't know how much more she can take, basically. Yeah. Um, I like to think that if she eventually or these women somehow connect with each other and turns the tables on the boyfriend... Um, I've got a feeling he's got a lot of test subjects, a.k.a. girlfriends. Carrie, favorite death and effect? Um, it's, well, it's not really death, but effect. Um, yeah. When he extracted the alien baby, Good it was point. just a weird twist. Um, I wonder if the entire apartment is filled with these test subjects. I've got to agree with your line of thinking. Oh, you mean they're all like within one building? Yep. Ooh. That's interesting. Because it's student housing. Student housing. But how does he go? Well, no, it can't be because remember, she's far. He's in one of the apartments. Oh, that's right. Because he's able to walk right over to her after. Uh Oh, yeah. How does he manage all the women? 
in that apartment then. Uh-huh. See, this is okay. Unless he's in the basement and, and then, you know, where most experiments okay. happen and then you come up. Yeah. Secret passages. I'm thinking this whole building is set up as an experiment. Okay. Because how are those alien children getting into there? Hmm. Secret passage? Maybe. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. I'm speculating a lot. I think we're going to have a, one of those weird IMDb scores for this episode where it's not like by the quarters like we usually do. So, um, yeah. I'm going to go with, hopefully, I'm cheating, someday the boyfriend who is running the alien impregnation experiments. He is hopefully one day my favorite death or effect. Like the women... Almost like in Maniac, how all the women that he kills um, are going to come back and get him somehow. Like the the mannequins in Maniac come back and surround him and make him go crazy. Or the alien babies turn on him. Yes, the that offspring. Would be, that would be the good. The alien offspring come back and kill their dada. Well... Is he their dada or is he just taking care of them for whoever is the dada? All good questions. Many, many questions. Many things left unanswered in this one. To its detriment. Carrie, what is your score? I, I gave it a two and a half. Um, the plot twist was interesting. Um, aliens, interesting. You know, who doesn't love an alien baby? I hate to say it. Out of all the VHS movies that I've ever watched, this is my least favorite segment. It's funny because this movie has my favorite segment out of all the VHSs with Second Honeymoon, T-West. This one, I don't like it at all. It's two out of five for me. Okay. <clears throat> so, Carrie, lead us with your favorite character for 103198. It has to be the guy that is dressed up in the bear outfit. I think it's a bear outfit, right? It's a teddy bear outfit? Yeah. 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 Basically, you know, these guys get <clears throat> an invitation to this empty house. And, and he's the one that is recording. And again, with the stairs, as I mentioned earlier, mentioned all those points about the damn staircases and the stairwells and the steps and the levels. <laughs> I'm going to go with the character dressed up. And yes, we're not naming names because there's so many characters in this. Google them, guys. Check them out. The character dressed up as the fast food worker from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Judge Reinhold character is Brad. Um, you know, the pirate outfit. Makes me want to watch Fast Times now. Yeah. I haven't watched that in a while. No, we haven't. Dun, 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 dun. Gonna, gonna be your favorite death tonight. Who is that? Out of this segment, 103198. Your favorite death? Yeah. She got. I, I threw her off. You did throw me I threw her off with the Jackson um, Brown somebody's baby. Yeah, I was like, the, um, the scene where the girl disappears from the car and when the windows... Oh, they start like shrinking? Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, and the windows start shrinking That's night. That is nightmare that fuel. Is, I mean, the, you, they're, they're not processing really what's going on when they're trying to just leave. But you as the viewer watching this can see, you know, doors knobs are disappearing the windows are shutting as they're trying to escape and it's like you know really she's the one probably controlling it you make a good point um 
to me, it's easy. Everyone on the train tracks at the end dies. Yeah. You can't you can't survive a train pummeling through your car. And and you know what? You're like cattle getting pulverized into meat. <laughs> I don't know that those guys deserved it. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, if we're just going to say, like, take it at face value, no way. Out of all the segments, they might deserve it the least next to the husband and second honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, at least they went to go save her. I absolutely love the second honeymoon segment. I really like 103198. The shrinking doors and the hands coming through the walls. It's so funny how it's a play on a haunted house with the hands coming through the walls. Like we've been to Kim's Crypt and they yeah. have that effect with the the hands coming through. Um, I gave this a four out of five. I really wow. like it a lot. Wow. Um, I gave it a three and a half. Um, it, it's basically a haunted house set up with a possession. Yeah. Carrie, talk a little bit more about your favorite segment while I uh, figure out our scores here. Okay. So I, um, first of all, I really enjoyed the honeymoon, the second honeymoon. I just, it's for me, the one segment that held the most attention. It was just the right amount of time. And actually it was the one that I wanted to see more of. I wanted to see a, you know, a cut of them getting married mixed in the video like a like a just a jab of like oh wedding video mixed. Oh, yeah so you're expanding the second honeymoon huh yeah mixed with them going on this trip and how many stops have they had at this point or how long they've been married at this point could you imagine her lover being a guest at their wedding like oh this is my friend from so and so no because he didn't recognize her Oh, that's right, because she knocked on the door and talked and with was, him. And he was some girl that asked for a ride. But, you know, he I think maybe the one knock on his character is maybe he's so arrogant and full of himself with what he wants to do. That question about what do you want to do, and he's like, oh, well, I want to go to Vegas, so that's what we're going to do. Like, I've got the money, so I'm going to say what goes. Yeah. Which, obviously, she he's got the money. She's got the willpower. He's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Ugh. I mean, I know, I know, you know. This is a, the VHS 2 is excellent, but that one's more zany and crazy. This is a mean ass movie. It is really mean. This is so nasty. It's actually hard to watch. When I first watched it, I had the feeling like when I watch All Hallows Eve with Art the Clown, I'm like, oh yeah, this is so nasty that I'm digging this. We've had kids since then. So mm-hmm. my perspective has actually changed. I'm not too proud to say that I didn't enjoy it as much. I think if I would have reviewed this 10 or 11 years ago before you we had have kids, everything I probably would have given it like a four. So guys, this brings us to our overall DFM rating for the original VHS found footage anthology of 3.25 out of five mm-hmm. this is a fun but a f- little bit flawed film a bit of a mixed bag if you will like a lot of the vhs's are yeah uh you know when you talk about vhs and the vhs franchise no matter which one you watched it's always that mixed bag people always comment on socials hey i, I really loved this 
there was, you know, four or five of these segments. I liked most of them. I liked three out of five. When you um, have that many them. directors directing with the different stories. Different styles. Different styles. So many characters so, to keep yeah, track of. It's... Um, it's funny because in the short amount of time, you could kind of say this like creep about Creepshow too. Like you don't, and I know that was a different style of movie making back then, and but you don't really get a ton of time to know these characters in this, which is a big flaw. Yeah. <clears throat> You're always saying, I wish, like you just said, I wish they would have showed the wedding. I wish they would have showed more. Not that you want them to over explain. They do do a good job of saying, wait a second. Cause I remember when this came out, it was like, what's going on with these tapes? Yeah. Like, how are they watching these tapes? How's that dude coming back? And they even made it more of a question in part two. How are these guys reanimating? And yeah. And the guy even says in VH2, there's something with the tapes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's my favorite VHS. VHS 2 used to be my second favorite until I saw VHS 99. Okay. And I think you would like that one based off of the sole fact that, the, in my opinion, the best segment in that is made by the husband and wife who made Deadstream. Okay. So you got to check that out. That's a close second. And it's cool because that's the newest one. Yeah. To me, that's the the second best one. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a found film. Found footage? Yeah. Found film. Yeah, footage. I found this film over here laying in the corner. <laughs> Don't pick it up. <laughs> Whatever you do, guys, do not take any tape heist off or you don't know where that's going to lead to. And also just don't do anything illegal. <laughs> guys, it's time. Oh, okay. It's not time for intermission yet. Case and Carrie. I like you. Greetings, my pals of peril. It's me, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, back again with more to talk about from the world of the wild and weird with an interesting combination of things that make up the film that we're about to discuss here tonight. In the world of horror, you have numerous subgenres. It's kind of one of the cool things that I really like about it. Monster films, slashers, religious horror, vampires... The list goes on and on, and variety is that true spice of life that makes things interesting and fun. But after a while, boundaries collapse and lines blur, and we get crossover. Sometimes crossovers lead to great things. Peanut butter cups, thrash metal, and sometimes not so great things. Drinking and driving, vodka and Red Bull, vodka and Red Bull and rabid weasels. So when subgenres cross, things can get weird, which isn't always a great thing. When this week's film VHS first hit the scene, I was cautiously intrigued at what it was going to offer. A mix between found footage and an anthology? I guess I'll bite. On a Friday night in October 2012, I had a chance to catch a showing of this at the Hollywood in Dormont. But while waiting around for my buddy Phil to get his shit together, we decided to stick closer to home and check out Sinister at the showcase. More on that later. Eventually, I caught this on digital cable one night and took in what it had to offer. Now, this wasn't just an anthology. 
This was a multi-director free-for-all with six different directors, including the wraparound segment. So on top of all of the different narratives and casts, you also had different directors and writers throwing down as well. So a film like Creep Show, where you have all of the segments done by a single director, you now have all these cooks, which is a much riskier proposition because you have a greater chance at inconsistency with the stories. Throw in the found footage aspect of it as well, and you have the potential for a real cinematic train wreck here. Now, the wraparound segment here is pretty solid. A bunch of guys break into a house to rob an old dude blind and come across all of these tapes, and curiosity gets the best of them, and these wind up making up the segments of the film. So far, the shaky camera is decently restrained. It's fairly steady, and at least it didn't make me nauseous, which is always a good thing. First segment, to me, is probably still my favorite. Amateur Night is a solid look into the nightlife of a bunch of 20-somethings who are on the quest for pussy with a great twist. Cast in this one was spot on, and considering just how much time I spent in bars when I was younger... I can attest at how well they nailed all of these characters. The second segment to me is a bit more highbrow and more of a slow burn. And hey, is this Ty West again? Damn it, it is. (laughs) Either way, it was a pretty good segment and a nice change of pace from the intensity of the first one. Now, Tuesday the 17th and the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger are good examples of twisting tropes, and the former really was the winner in best utilizing the found footage aspect of the entire film by making one of its technical faults an essential part of the story. And the creepiness and moral detachment of the latter hits like a ton of bricks come the ending. The cinematography in 1031.98 alone is worth the price of admission, people. They even managed to avoid making the viewer sick as they flew all around that house. This, coupled with a great twist at story's end, finds a way to really end the film on a major high note and teach a valuable lesson about not judging a book or ancient ritual by its cover. All in all, I think that this is easily in the top 20 of the best horror films of the 21st century. It was risky, but I think that all these stories gelled together really well, and all the segments from all the directors really held up. There was no real bummer part, to be honest. This is actually one of the better anthologies and found footage films out there at the same time, which is definitely saying something. Now, if I could offer a bit of advice if you want to take part in these horror games, don't let yourself get stuck in a rut. Take chances with your choices. Sometimes really wacky ideas like this one can pay off in a big way. As for me, I've got to fly. I can hear wings flapping at my window, and that can only mean that my date is here. I guess I really do have a type, and the frequent flyer miles aren't bad either. See you next midnight, Jake. Thanks, boy. So we've got the mail wolf here that's um, got some social shout outs for us. We haven't had a letter in a little while, but um, yeah, we've got some socials. So 
we had posted um, uh, when Joe Bob came out with his his Fulci double feature. We had a meme that we <laughs> we stayed up late later than we normally do. It was "Hello Darkness, my old friend." It's time for coffee and Fulci again. Um, somebody's like, "Aha!" Some some Fulci decisions. Um, that was curator of Scream said that. We got Megathy, Magathy Mummy sounds like a good combination. Um, probably will just listen to the zombie soundtrack as I craft this evening. Um, and then Horror in the Hall says Fulci lives. Um, Carrie, did you enjoy episode one and two compared to three and four with Joe Bob? Like, what was your favorite? I, I enjoyed episode one. I know a lot of people didn't like the, um, the TV show host segments, the late show, the late show setup. segment. Yeah. I, I enjoyed I liked it. it. I actually wish they would say like, Oh, we're going to use the late show setup for the specials. Right. Like for Halloween. Yeah. That would I be love, good. I would love Joe Bob to do another dinners of death, but, um, I think that happened only one time. Anyways, we've got more Insta socials. Thanks buddy. Yep. Give me the other one. Okay. So yeah, he reminded me of the post where when we watched this, the, uh, Episode three of Witchboard. <laughs> I had I had made the meme of uh you know how there's the Obi-Wan Anakin meme of him like they're at the strip club and Anakin's at the pole <laughs> of um this was some lost footage from Witchboard right after the Wishing Well Motel bromance scene and uh Mechalek one says that it looks like my kind of horror movie. And I told him that the bromance in that motel scene was real. And Joe Bob, I only made that meme because Joe Bob said, and I was feeling it like, are these guys about to make out or have sex? It sure felt like that. Um, so much love. On Twitter, I wanted to mention a little interaction we had with I Love Movies at Movies for the Soul. Um, he said, post a gif of a famous person you've met. And Chrissy's got Captain Spaulding from House of the Thousand Corpses with the the two middle fingers up. Which, by the way, by the way, he's got a skull bolo on, bolo on, but he's got the two middle fingers. Our kids are flicking us off quite a bit lately. <laughs> I think we're letting them watch too many things. We do a lot of middle finger flicking in our household. Although our daughter started it all when she tried to give us like a she blew the kiss with the, the middle kiss finger. With the middle That's finger my instead favorite. Of like the... I've Index never seen finger. anybody do that before. That's like, she almost needs to like, like copyright that shit. I, I don't know. It, it's an ongoing, <laughs> it's an ongoing like a joke in, in our house. And I've, I've got to mention, you know, we, we reposted, somebody had asked us for, to repost our season one guide, cultsploitation.com. If you guys happen to be listening, every time we tweet something, you guys are liking it and reposting it. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, we had some um, changes to our guide, our season one guide. So, yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah, we were we were shifting things around with events, and we wanted to make sure we showed cer- certain, excuse me, movies during Halloween time. And so, um, guys, we're almost in intermission, but before that, I just want to say, you know, thank you, Carl Casey, um, White Bat Audio, for your track, um, Alone in the Woods. Um, Friendly reminder, guys, you can take our RSS, that link, take it to any of your favorite listening platforms. Um, if you'd like to support us, you know, guys, you can head over to Patreon, donate a little as a dollar. Um, you know, we've got the $4 goal tier 
over there. We made it real simple. Um, what we want to do with this podcast is if there is an episode that you want to help create, you tell us like, Hey, I really love this movie and nobody talks about it. Yeah. Like, could you guys review it for me? Um, part of that tier is, uh, dear listeners is that, you know, you can either, we can either interview you, yep. you know, or you send in like a five to 10 minute sound clip and we'll include it and you school us on why this movie needs to be talked about more. Um, and again, leaving a review guys, if you could do that, it'd be really helpful. We really appreciate Carrie, everybody who's listening in. Yeah. I mean, these are just conversations that we are having with ourselves and that we would always have with ourselves. So really, yeah, we, we just love having conversations about movies that we love. We, we love horror movies. We love our fellow whorehounds, the mutant family with Joe Bob, um, nothing but love guys. So yeah, intermissions upon us. We will be back for segment two where we've got an extended discussion with Jake. The Midnight, Midnight Traveler, Traveler for like a good solid hour. <laughs> so you've heard him for like seven to 10 minutes, almost every episode so far this season. Jake is going to increasingly become more and more a part of our podcast. Um, Jake, you're listening. We love you, buddy. Glad we finally got you on for an extended session. Little note about the quality guys we're testing out. Jake's over in Austin, Texas, and we're in Pennsylvania. We're testing out the different ways that we want to do the podcast as a threesome. Um, looked at we did zoom for this this particular segment coming up um thinking about doing riverside but uh we've got we've got jake is going to get some new equipment soon and uh we're going to make sure we get that squared away with the quality and whatnot so yeah we love you guys thanks for sticking with us during this experiment you know we're learning as we go along improving things as we go along listening to us have a conversation yeah we love you guys hope everybody's having a great start to the may i hope you guys have Plenty of your favorite Cinco de Mayo food and drinks, whether that be a margarita or a straight Ooh. shot of tequila with a little bit of lime and salt. Or both. Or some nachos and tacos. Or all of the above. <clears throat> Whatever your favorite. Ooh, I want some. Uh, Ooh, wings with guacamole. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you guys, if you ever get the chance, make your own wings or go to your favorite wing stop. If they've got Chipotle, Chipotle or Verde, wings. yeah, Chipotle or Verde, if they've got that on the menu or they've got wings and they've got their own freshly made guac, you know, they come up tableside to you and make it, dip the wings in the guac. It, it is, is a, so good. If it's done right, it is a revelation. And <laughs> who introduced you to that? Um, Somebody out there knows about wings and guac. Somebody does. But who introduced you? Oh, introduced me personally? Yeah. You. Yeah. You thought I was crazy. <laughs> okay, Until guys. you tried it. Time for intermission. Love you. Have a great May. Um, hope you enjoy the segment with Jake, getting to know him even more so than before. <laughs> we're going to come back and we're going to report on our experience meeting Joe Bob Briggs. Yep. We can't wait. Ciao, people. We love you. Peace out. It's refreshment time, folks. Time out for a delicious snack in our sparkling refreshment building. Every item a fresh, appetizing taste treat. We've a large assortment of freshly made sandwiches. How about a pizza? None better anywhere.
sizzling hamburgers grilled to your taste. Mouth-watering chili dillies. Dog days, hot dog days that is, somehow have a way of turning out to be fun days. The pop and sizzle of the juicy meat seems to say, come and get me, I'm done to a turn. Yep, hungry or not, it's hard to resist the tantalizing aroma and taste appeal of a sizzling hot dog. The nice part of it is, there's one waiting for you right now at the refreshment stand. Hi, folks. I'm Rico. Oh, no, Joe. He's Peppy. See? You can find us at the concession stand in the lobby. Along with all sorts of other tasty goodies. See? Rico's Nachos, a refreshingly new and different snack discovery. Chock full of high-quality ingredients, crisp, fresh tortilla chips, covered with creamy-aged cheddar cheese, topped off with zesty jalapeno pepper rings. Rico's Nachos, out of sight. Remember, folks, we're the new star at the snack bar. Rico's Nachos, a new taste treat you can't beat. See? Rico's Nachos, on sale at the snack bar now. <laughs> 